Hello and welcome to BZ Listening. I am your host, BZ Douglas. And uh, this week or this episode, the show's getting back to its roots, just showcasing criminally overlooked grassroots artists. And I gotta tell you, it's just been a welcome respite to, to take a break from the truly awful shit that I'm researching for several stories right now and just catch up with uh, one of my favorite musicians and, and friends from my time in New York City, Jadon Woodard. Jadon and I cover his uh, origins in music, his ups and downs, sort of the standard fare for music interviews. Um, and we also spend a bit of time talking about his days freestyling on the trains in NYC alongside Charlie Crockett in uh, as part of a buskers collective called the Train Robbers. And for more on that story, you can go back to the second episode of this podcast, which was actually the first interview I ever recorded with Charlie Crockett in 2014. Throughout the show, I'll be playing tracks from Jadon's brand new album, Late to the Party, alongside a track from of the Train Robbers doing their thing circa 2013. For those of you uh, listening on the podcast, be sure to hop over to the YouTube channel and you'll catch some of the videos that accompany these songs in the, the YouTube version of this podcast episode. I'm, I'm actually, I'm not sure if I mentioned before, but uh, I've been publishing all the episodes onto YouTube in addition to on the podcast. So uh, for the podcast listeners, I do want to also mention that uh, Patreon supporters Y'all are now officially listed in the credits of every episode as of the last one I published. So uh, go check that out. Bask in your glory. Speaking of Patreon, this show has been and always will be ad free. So please, if you can support even one dollar a month really means a lot. Building up a reader support base. Of course, I understand if you can't. Things are tight for everybody. Um, but wherever you are watching, please like, subscribe, do all the things that tell the things that you like my thing. I've got some pretty big stuff in the pipe. Uh, if I've spent more than 10 minutes around you in the last month, I have probably recommended that you buy the book Blue Mafia by Tim Tolka. I will be interviewing him later uh, in September. Blue Mafia is the story of how the residents of Warren and Steubensville have just lived in terror of their police departments. And the lawyer who fought to get the Justice Department to actually pay close enough attention to impose the very first consent decree in Steubenville. Um, whether or not that's what's needed to fix that department, I don't know, but it's an incredibly enraging and essential story. Everyone buy this book so that you are all cut up when uh, that interview comes around. And if you have any questions after reading the book, send them my way. I'll be happy to ask Tim. Okay, uh, I think that's everything I needed to cover in the intro. So um, to lead into today's episode, I'm going to play a little clip here of Jadon doing his thing with the train robbers, closing out my variety show, the BZ Douglas Carnival, back in 2013 in the basement of the Yippie Museum Cafe. Those were fun, wild times. Uh, so anyway, thank you so much for listening and be well and stay safe. Shout out to the band, rockin' while on the stage I'm clearing his soul out like I 
saying I'm sick. I'm only living my life. I'm getting it right. You know I can't quit. If I'm not chasing cash, I'm probably chasing a chick. At least I'm being honest. Or what can I say? My life is legit. I didn't prepare a lot of questions with you because I'm just like I figure we'll just get into it and it'll be great. But I want to I want to start with like go back and let me know how do you, how did you find your gift? All right. Um, well, I'm originally from Cali, man. Um, like I was born in the Bay Area um, in in Fairfield, California, or whatever. So uh, like okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, it's a little clearer. Yeah, thanks. Okay, my bad. Uh, yeah, so I um, picked up the trombone in the third grade, and my my music teacher, who I'm friends with on Facebook now, was just really, uh, just like really believed in my talent and just like what I was doing. So he would make me learn a lot of skills and stuff. I didn't stick with trombone, obviously. I kind of grew out of it, but the musical bug and being able to read music and like shit like that to an extent, and like mark my notes and stuff, I did at least pick that up, and it followed me throughout like my later years but yeah the beginning was trombone it was my dad taking me to a lot of jazz festivals it was being around my uncles on my mom's side walking into the studio at like three years old scared in there just like hearing all this music and shit shaking and vibrations just like what the fuck is this and then like between me and you if you really know me and you really catch me sometimes like i'll zone out and i can just like rock for hours and just be in a zone, like I won't speak to anybody, i just be really zoned out. I've been doing that shit since I was in my mom's stomach, from what she told me. She said she literally be playing music in the house, and she could feel me, like, fucking rocking in her stomach. <laughs> like, you know, some babies kick. She was like, nah, bro, you were, like, rocking. Like, whatever music was on. I was like, when you were the most active, so I guess that that bug has always resonated since, uh, since birth. It's kind of just crazy shit. Whatever the combination were, you uh, with the music uh, and your dad saying, you know, kind of looking at you and be like, you need to be doing this. So, but it wasn't really forced upon you. That was sort of like taken, like you're, you're into music, but did you, did you have any struggle with uh, like what lessons were? Cause there's a mixed bag of people I've spoken to sometimes like, Oh, lessons really like kind of dampered my enthusiasm and other people had good, you know, experiences with lessons. And as a parent, I'm trying to figure out how to cultivate. My kids definitely have interest in music and through osmosis, they'll be into it, but I don't want to do the thing that makes them like not dig it. But I also realize you got to make kids kind of commit to things. Yeah. I mean, at least early to teach them. For me, I guess it was just teaching myself discipline. And that's the things I really remember growing up because it was like, um, all the strong figures I did have around me, at least in my foundational years, were like strong enough and always stressed things like uh, 
uh, the three P's. I think it's like uh, uh, proper preparation uh, prevents poor performance. And like, you know, consistency, discipline, work ethic, focus, shit like that. I remember those things, man. I remember those things in assemblies. And because those were some of the stuff that I was being enforced upon me. And my dad, like, I'm not going to fret. Like, we don't have the best relationship, but he did. I've listened to the album. I've listened to the album. He made me practice, bro. He made me practice a lot. Yeah. And um, I can't be mad at him because here we are 30 years later, and I keep that same work ethic, or at least I try to. And especially when it comes to the artistic form and, like, understanding the importance of academia. And, like, I think having a good music teacher at an early age that I really resonated with and I really appreciated was important too because it gave me that shift. Because, you know, if you don't like a teacher, that can determine whether you like something or not, dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? And um, for me, my earliest memories of being a nervous kid, I love music. That shit was mad fun, man. It was fun memorizing those lessons and doing like assemblies and playing with the band. Our music was terrible, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it felt good to yeah. be with like 30 other seven-year-olds playing like, you know, the best we can. Party people, welcome to the jungle. I can get you money, get you a man, get you trouble. Whatever you need, just respect the hustle. If I don't trust you, then my attitude is fuck you. Look, I smoke a lot, fuck a lot, drink a lot. If I could, I keep a glock. Haters wanna see me drive. Look into the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. I ask that nigga Jade on, who be rapping on the train. Pocket full of change, white tea, nappy fade. Let me out the cage, guarantee I burn up stage. I am smoking gas, my succeeds are always flames. All I want is money. Fuck the women in the fame Fuck being complacent, I'm dope, let's face it I want coke and whiskey, want more coke and whiskey to chase it Patience, dreams I'm chasing, shit I'm tired of waiting Stereotypes I'm breaking, till I'm on radio stations Questioning my talent, got me pinning this ballad, yo Two years later, no session from DJ Khaled, though He don't care about your talent, bro To even take this L or go to war like the Alamo We were supposed to do these tracks, fuck I'm supposed to do about that Charging to the game and switch directions like Google Maps That's the industry, fam Jade on, welcome. Remember, your idols won't help you unless it helps them. So get the money. Yeah, get the money. Say, get the money. Say, get the money. Say, get the money. Now get the money. Say, get the money. The party people, welcome to the jungle. I can get you money, get you a man, get you trouble. Whatever you need, just respect the hustle. If I don't trust you, then my attitude is fuck you. Look, I smoke a lot, fuck a lot, drink a lot. If I could, I keep a glock. Haters wanna see me drop. Look into the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. I ask that nigga Jade on, who be rapping on my trains. Remember my name, like you know it already. Everybody's sleeping on me, got this back all heavy. Like you heard me rap and think I'm whack already. Like you know I've been to jail and went back already. So crack already, blue stacks already. Did you know that I'm young, gifted, and black already? 
already, uh. The kid from covering the house, shutting it down, getting big from running his mouth. Could have run in your house, get this money and save it. My future, I want to change it. Priorities, rearrange it. Minority in the matrix, reality doesn't make sense. Sobriety sounds amazing, legend in the making. Growing pains, got my body aching. No complaints, though. That's just how the game goes. Had to change foes, put this plan together like Legos. That's the industry, fam. Jade on, welcome. Remember, your labels will help you unless that helps them. So get the money. I didn't I didn't know that about you that uh, you had like the deep kind of like, you know, classical music train in there because uh, I when I discovered you, it was, you know, this as this impresario freestyler. Uh, yeah, man. How did, yeah. how did you unlock that talent? OK, so I've always been rapping. I remember my earliest point of like some real like getting on stage performance shit was for our YMCA summer camp. That my dad sent me to like 10 to get me out of his house for the summer. So he uh, sent me down there with a bunch of other kids. And I was just nervous, but I liked the tension, but I was mad, like reserved. And I just remember the people I was kicking it with. I happened to just, happened to just stumble upon the cool kids at the camp. And I was a little bit younger than them, but they were showing me love because I was tough enough. And I just, you know what I mean? was like in the cut. I didn't really care about the attention as much. But I remember a talent show was happening and I, Somehow signed up for it. Had to be like 10, man. And I told him my name was Buster Rhymes. And I just got on stage. <laughs> and I got on stage at this assembly in front of like 50 to 100 summer camp kids and just freestyle some shit. I swear to God. I swear to God. And got mad love for it. And I was like, oh, this shit is it, bro. This is it. And I didn't like go back to like rapping after that for a while, but I would fuck around. I would indulge i would cut little freestyles here and there like my friend's makeshift studio was ever hot in the early 2000s you know as like with all that free shit you could download like Kazaa, like bear share or whatever and um fucking when i was like 12 or 13 um my uncle at the time was working for a music industry working for like universal or something managing this girl jojo and a few other artists that run the universal catalog at the time and I watched Tupac Resurrection. I bought it on my mom's pay-per-view uh, and, like, just connected with it so much. And, you know, I get in trouble for buying shit on my mom's, like, pay-per-view. But, like, that she wasn't mad at. She could see the difference. I was like, okay, this is important. Or, like, some dumb shit. Like, this is, like, you know, this is yeah. important. I see the lane you're going through as you're developing into a young adult. And I watched that fucking movie religiously and just got mad inspired because I was going through so much rough times between – things that my parents were going through and how was it affecting me and um, related to it hard and then wrote this like, wrote hella raps and my aunt, my mom's sister begged her to set up a little meeting for me to spit raps to my uncle. My man gave me like 30 minutes. So she set it up for me. She kind of vetted it first, saw what I was talking about. You know, I spit my little shit to her, you know, and she was supportive like aunties, the only aunties are. And then was like, all right, I'm gonna set you up with this little meeting. And I was fucking nervous. 
and I spit my shit foam and was like, all right, this is it. I'm about to be the next little Bow Wow, little Romeo, like whoever the fuck is hot at 12. And uh, spit my shit for him, expect him to be like, yo, I'm going to offer you this million dollar deal. You know? <laughs> and, and he was like, bro, shit, he's like, that shit is terrible. He was like, that is some of the worst one ever. Oh, no. But, 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 he was like, but if you're really going to be a rapper, believe in it and go the hardest you can. Or if you're going to be a street kid, you really be a street kid and really do that street shit as hard as you can. And you got work to do. So you know what I mean? It was honest. It was pure. It wasn't on some, like, hater shit. But it definitely was relatable because I've heard so many other of my famous, favorite rappers tell me about their family members. And they're like, bro, my, my uncle didn't believe in that shit. Or my mom was like, no. Or like, whoever. But then, you know what I mean? It's like, bro, it's just a part of the story. So that, um, that was influential for me in that sense. It made me write a lot more. A year or two more down the line after that happened, um, I was still in Playboys and High Times at the Barnes and Nobles in my actual neighborhood where I'm from in Fairfield, California. And that's how I would make money. I would sell weed and I would sell magazines to like church kids that were like doing bad shit on the low and like other shit, you know what I'm saying? And like one of the times where I was selling a bunch of these, I was still, so I would basically go to Barnes and Nobles. I don't know how I started doing it, but I figured I could get away with it. And I would steal hella magazines, but I would also steal mad books. Like shit about Che Guevara, like shit about Bob Marley, music books and like just as much as I can Barnes and Nobles you know my friends are still in cars and and shit like that and I'm still in books and music so and so I so fucking one of the times I was there I was on my way to just quick make my little buck to go you know make some quick money and an open mic was going on and uh and I fucking just was hypnotized by it and, you know, it gave me the same feelings as that talent show with the, with the, for the Y. And I was like, oh, this is, this is fucking fire. So I asked how to sign up and put all the magazines that I was about to steal back. Like, completely lost attention about that. And uh, wrote my little rap on, like, a napkin or, like, some shit. And it was, like, 10, 15 people there. But they were all obviously way older than me. I'm a fucking kid. And I spit my shit. And they just received it. Like, they really embraced it and really fucked with it. And... I met my first mentor and he came in like a really pivotal point in my life because I was going through some really rough times in my dad's house, man, and just in life. In about whole, how old were you at this time? Between somewhere between like 14 and, and 15. Mm -hmm. so it's between like 13 and 15 to be fair. And, uh, and yeah, man, he, and it was just huge. They received me and then he took me under the wing and he started taking me to mad poetry open mics around the Bay Area. And where people older than me could fucking uh, listen to me on stage, man. Had me rocking with like little bands and like doing my shit behind the bands. Like one of the main venues I played all the time was a spot called Listen to Me Heard Cafe in Vallejo. And I was there every week, man. I catch the bus by myself. Sometimes my dad would drive by there. Sometimes my mentor would drive me over there and they'd be like, shit like that. Or we go do the Monterey Poetry Festival or like shit like that. And it can be uh, tricky getting into music as a minor, um, like you know Billy Conahan, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I remember. I remember him when he was fourteen. Is when I first saw him doing like stand-up comedy and music, and then switching to folk. And you know, you know Billy. Uh, I gotta have him on one day. But I remember he he like he was really confined to a much smaller circuit of open mics that were cool with a teenager walking in and doing their thing. Like, yeah, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's 
I guess the power of mentors, man. They shifted. They shifted me because every like every couple of years, I would catch a new mentor and add them to the crew of mentors I have already, and uh, they would just give me game, and it was good because he was like my first real mentor, man. And you know, me and my friends out running the streets, and he'd be blowing my phone up and be like, "No, motherfucker." You're coming with me to Vallejo tonight or like Monterey, bring a little bad friends with you. Or I'll let you smoke weed in the car and do everything, but I just don't want you running the streets tonight. Come do this art. Come embrace this art. You know, the Bay Area was really bad at that time. There was a lot of murders and shit happening. And uh, he just didn't want that happening for me, man. So um, I was with him doing that stuff until I got transferred from my dad's custody to my mom's custody. And then when I got to her custody, I moved to Jacksonville and was already still hooked on that bug. And my mom knew this at the time. So a way for her to connect with me is that she would take me to poetry open mics and music open mics. So she took me like, she had me as an underage kid, called a venue beforehand, had me spit for the event promoter to show them I'm really talented and get them to let me in as long as I was with her and or with like, uh, you know, other people. So through her, she, like the first week I was there, she would take me to open mics and... I met a couple of new mentors through that. Met my second poetry mentor, and he uh, took me under the wing, had me competing and stuff, and doing as much slams as I could. And then uh, through him, met my third mentor, who was my who I would I had like a I had like a dual mentorship in Jacksonville between him as my poetry mentor, and then my hip hop mentor there, who had me carrying crates for him into clubs and lying to the, and the promoters and him would. Oh, and like the club owners would be like, yo, if we get hit by like the like police department, you just lie, bro, and say you're the trash guy. You're the fucking janitor here or whatever. Because I'd be doing homework in the back, bro. Doing homework straight up, like 12 o'clock at night. I'm doing science homework. Nice. And, and going to get, they give me like five minutes to freestyle on stage. I do like a rap or a poem. And I network with all the like artists that were coming in touring through like Rockets and all that. And like, that's how I learned the game. That's how I took notes. And I'd be out till three, four in the morning and my mom wasn't worried. Cause you know, I wasn't out selling crack. I was yeah. out fucking in Arty. the venues, right? Like, yeah. Smoke at the after party Attic, that's what you call it Stone is alcoholics Going profit and profit Off this weed that I'm copping Walking just like I talking Smoking, walking the coffin Smell the loud when I walk in Stone up for life, only option Yeah
Crystals and sticky trees Best buds you can get in me Make me cough when I hit the weed One time I'll get them high A fun time if you're getting me If you don't show up on time then it's history Bud man, where you at? I need those drugs, you the plug man Hurry up, deliver us What we want man, need a bus fast Or a taxi cab, what you want damn Take it dumb long, can't even finish this bus songs. my bug gone any of your mentors give you sort of a theory of success sort of like here's the path like you have to go and grind for a certain amount of time to develop chops find out who you are and and make connections and things like that but as far as like what you thought as you were starting off on this road versus like i don't know how many years it is now since then um were you thinking about it or was it just sort of just like one thing sort of leads to the next and and you're on a sort of an organic trip. I'll be real with you. I'll be real with you, man. Whenever I ask my mentors what you're asking me right now, they all say the same shit. We're talking like five or six guys. And they're all like, dude, you always were very focused. You may not see it, but you were focused. And that's what attracted us to you. We saw this kid with this drive and willingness to want to fucking showcase his talent. And he, they're always like, bro, you were willing to put in work. And that's what is most important. You weren't lazy about it. You know what I mean? Your shit may not have been the best. You may have needed work, but you always were working at it every week, trying to spit his poems or raps or carry crates or bugging or working at the record store and fucking listening to all the vinyls of all the albums there. Deltron 3030, MF Doom, whatever. You got a nine hour shift there watching my shit for me. I give you some weed, some candy, and you have free access to that to the albums there. And that's all I do, dude. I be fucking locked in and they were always like you had this drive about you there's a ability to detach from the world and get locked in that not a lot of people that have that you have so you know i've always taken note of that but i guess from my perspective it was always just me like this was my escape from getting in trouble because i'm the kind of guy that when i have idle time i start dwindling back into like you know feeling lost because i'm not like doing what I know, what I love to do is not feeding my spirit. So um, yeah. that was my big thing. I just wanted to stay out of trouble, to be real with you, man. How, how do you get from Jacksonville to New York? Okay, so I left Cali, got sent to Jacksonville. Went to Jacksonville, was there for two years, from 16 to, damn, not even two, I mean, two years technically on a border. Uh, if you really want to be technical, probably like a, month, a year and 11 months. And, uh, I was there. I was there for high school. So um, I got, I went to six high schools entirety between California and Florida. I got expelled from, I got expelled from five and graduated valedictorian from the last one. And so. What? Uh, yeah. Wow. So what did, the, what did the five of those schools get wrong or did you get wrong at those schools? <laughs> or <laughs> you don't have to go into that. You don't want, I, I, that's a hell of a story. Tell anybody, man. Um, first high school I ever went to was Hanford West High School in Central California. It's in Hanford uh, near Fresno. Um, my grandmother lives there. At the time, I was living there. My mom was there. Um, I was there initially. Had a lot of anger in me. Was going through some shit with my mom and just being a knucklehead, selling weed, cussing out the teachers, getting caught selling drugs by like the vice principal. 
like literally like transactions flushing the work down the toilet so that kind of shit just wild boy fighting in the streets legit my little ass you know my folky ass Charlie, Charlie Crockett singing ass fucking definitely was gang banging and wilding so got kicked out of that school um from there went to a court school uh back in Fairfield because I got sent back to where my dad lived um was at this court school called Golden Hills there I excelled phenomenally because um most of the book was text that you could just do you you filled them in like coloring books but it was like composition books so everybody took the time doing them and they had a whole curriculum that it took like months to do little bullshit bro between me and you I brought my CD player in every day for like a week. I asked the teacher there to just give me all the composition books with every work. And I did all my work for like the whole six month course. I was supposed to be there in like a week and turned it all into them. And then we just play on the computer every day for like six months, just listening to music, downloading albums, writing raps. He can vouch for him. I don't know if he still works there, but he can vouch for this. <laughs> Cause he, it was shit that he had never seen in his life. He was like, yo, what the fuck? You did all the work. It's done. Like, I don't even know what to teach you. Like, you got to, like, fake sit here at the table for 15 minutes. But then when everybody goes to work, you got to go just bullshit on the computer. So did that. Went from that school. Like, excelled phenomenally there. Went to Fairfield High School from there. From uh, Fairfield High School, um, I was going through real bad shit with my dad again at this time. And was starting to dwell off from focus. So my only classes I would attend at Fairfield were theater and uh, English. Yeah. And uh, because I like my English teacher a lot. And I, uh, I fucking um, obviously got kicked out of that school. But I got into theater mainly because I needed to choose a curriculum, uh, a prerequisite class to take. And I was just like, fuck it. Let me try theater. Let's see what happens, man. I'm already an RT-ass kid. It'll probably help out my raps. And so I went and fucking fell in love with it. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. I, you're speaking to something. Theater changed my life as far as I remember. My, cause my parents went through a divorce about the same time. I didn't have to move, actually. My, my mom moved to, like, Cleveland, a couple of, like, two hours away from Youngstown. And I was like, I'm, I'm staying. I'm not changing schools again because I had done it. Um, but I had just found – theater and then i also did like speech and debate which was kind of like competitive theater yeah same same oh you did forensics nice i did i did a little bit i didn't i didn't stay in it long yeah uh, but i at least sat around and took notes of classes and then applied it to doing slam poetry because i met my mentor absolutely i'm where it was like okay i'm either gonna do speech uh uh, speech or i'm gonna do like poetry competitively which is kind of the same and I only really stayed in my theater class as I was on the way of getting kicked out because my mentor I told you about from Barnes and Nobles, my same theater teacher was his teacher when he was in high school. So it made me uh, really take it serious because mm. my mentor was like 15 to 20 years older than me. And I was like, oh shit, if that was his teacher, bro, I'll really take this serious. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so went from there, uh, was sleeping on the street, was sleeping at my friend's houses, was running away from my dad's house. I was going through a bunch of rough shit. Uh, um, went and moved down south to Jacksonville. From there, went to um, Nathan before his high school, which they've now changed to West. Uh, <laughs> Holy shit. To, to West, Jacksonville West High School, some shit like that. Yes, Nathan before his. 
uh, was in the marching band there and rapping a lot, but I still knew how to play trombone. I remembered it enough. So it gave me some kind of ability to be around music. Was there for a while. Got kicked out, I think, for going on porn on, on at school or some wild shit, some funny shit in high school. They tracked my username, and we got in so much trouble for it. It was hilarious. And got, uh, got kicked out of there. Got sent to Andrew Jackson High School in the east side. Thrived there even more. Um, one of my math teachers there really saw how good I was at rapping and uh, put me in contact with her boyfriend, which, you know, was breaking, like, conduct code. But she was like, oh, this motherfucker is intelligent and nice. You got to meet my man. And he's like an A&R dude, you know, down south dude. Mm. Mommy hustle and flow shit. And would drive me around this cutlass and be taking me to the studio, smoking blunts with me, having me cut raps. Like, he still got some of my shit to this day. But I, but she loved me so much as a student that she's who got me kicked out of school there because uh, I, w- I was going through rough shit at the time. My mom, abusive boyfriend, and some fucked up shit. And um, I was coming in the hot in the class high, bro. Fucking blunted out my brain. You know, lunch break, go smoke that doobie. Come to fuck back in the class high as hell. And because she loved me so much and believed me so much, she wasn't fucking having it. She wasn't having it. And I can't be mad at her. But uh, I came into her class one high, in her class high one time, and was arguing with a student. And she wasn't having that shit and fucking kicked me out the class and called the uh, TA to come get me. So that got me expelled from that school because I was in foster care at the time. And uh, I couldn't, and like I had to go to rehab and like couldn't even make it to like my counseling classes. So I'd have to go piss in a cup for, uh, for fucking like three months. Like nobody really knows. Like I was in rehab, like on some shit, like as an outpatient doing testing for like months because I really caught a case doing this fucking weed thing at school. And I'm like, I know she loved me, but it put me through hell. And so I got kicked out of that school and I got sent to my last school which was uh, dropped back in Academy under Alternatives Unlimited. And because I got kicked out of school for that weed shit, they retained me and they helped me back. So I was an 11th grader and I was supposed to be a, a senior. So when they sent me to the school, my credits were all fucked up, dude. But it was all digital and it worked out because I was so fucking annoyed with what was going on in my personal life. Just got out of foster care, moved to the east side, right by my school where I was living at that my mom had got me into with this Alternatives Unlimited shit. I was like literally four blocks away. My homeboys that I got kicked out of their school, we bonded on some street shit. We didn't want to get shot. We were in a really, really bad part of Jacksonville. So we would be in the studio every day. What we would do is we would smoke weed every morning, meet up at like 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, barely awake, angry as fuck, and we had to be in school, burn down at either my house or their house, whatever, and walk to our school, which was inside of a church, and it was all computers. And so we would, uh, we would uh, do all the curriculum, similar to how I was at that court school in Cali, do all the curriculum, kept that same work ethic, and I gave them that work ethic. We bonded in that camaraderie and would be at, be at school on these computers from 8 to, like, the teachers had to go home. So basically until, like, 6 p.m. And all the other students would only stay for, like, 3. We would do overtime and just bang it out and then go to the studio afterwards. And we did that shit for, like, 8 months, bro and banged out like two years worth of work in eight months. They graduated at a very high GPA status, and I graduated valedictorian. And, uh, and we were close friends. That's how we kept ourselves like out of dying in Jacksonville. Yeah. It was like, because we were in the streets. Like, we were in the streets, bro. But we just 
didn't fuck with anybody on that side and we knew that to be successful if you wanted to be like these rappers we were watching blowing up we had to be in a studio like they probably still got hella records that we cut as teenagers because we would literally just be in the stew studio school school weekend all right let's all put our money up buy some weed get some beats rap homies we know getting shot going to jail trapping all around us and we're like yo we got a force foot around us this music shit and and now, and the cool thing was because, like I told y'all, I was with my mentors at the time in Jacksonville. So another big factor that was keeping me so focused at school was that when I was done with school and I was done with the studio, any other time I had, I was with them, and I was dragging my friends with me to these events, sneaking Sunday, sneaking us in as like sixteen-year-olds with these fucking rap dudes. I was like 30, 40, fucking twenty-five, older and shit, you know, owning bars and shit. Like I think my mentor was thirty; he was like thirty-six at the time. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like 16, 17. And he was like, under the wing, bro. Take me under, take your ass under the wing. Bring your friends to me. I'm making you all you motherfuckers work. But you can smoke as much weed. I'll give you a couple of shots on the low. Like, whatever. You like, <laughs> you know, I believe in you. And and like, it took all that shit happening. I graduated valedictorian. Um, I was on a really good path. My mom was like, you're killing it right now. If you stay in Jacksonville, you're going to, either set up for me or you're going to die because I want to go to be a, I want to be a culinary chef. And she was like, nah, bro, you can be a culinary chef in New York. Whatever you want to do, you're leaving here. So her, my aunt sent me up to New York. Um, I competed in a poetry festival for Brave New Voices. Through my poetry mentor in Jacksonville, we competed. And when the festival was over, they drove back to Jacksonville. I hopped on the bus in New Jersey from D.C. where the festival was at, and I never looked back. And all my mentors were just like, man, run with it, bro. Don't ever stop. Don't ever fucking stop. And I did it. And I was from 17 to now at 30 years old, dude. Never looked back, bro. Never looked back. Always stayed in contact with my family and shit and my friends and my mentors, but never stopped. Kept my word. Nigga, we... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rolling, 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 rolling. Yeah. Yeah, nigga, we rolling. Come to my city, hot box in the city. We speeding that bitch like it's stolen. Fuck all the pressure, cause pressure make diamonds, and all of my niggas is golden. You want it, I got it, you know I supply it. Don't tell the police that I'm holding. Rolling the smoke, it really, nigga, I'm just trying to make it through the motion. Come to my city, hot box in the city. We speeding that bitch like it's stolen. Fuck all the pressure, cause pressure make diamonds, and all of my niggas is golden. You want it, I got it, you know I supply it. Don't tell the police that I'm holding. Smoke it, really, nigga. I'm just trying to make it through the, the world. Is mine. How bad do I want it? Chasing his money, but problems keep coming. My pops ain't around. My mom getting sick. Gotta help out the family. Keep food in my stomach. It's music. I thug it. Sign me a deal. I build me some onions. I'm shitting tears. Feel like I'm bugging. Stress got me stuck. I'm shopping through a dollar. And I gotta keep hustling. My bros in the pen. Never bros in the wind. So my bros and my friends. If the story begin, I changed my life when I picked up the pins. So stand. Been on a mission to win. I want the gold like Olympians. Equipping the bins and making the spin. In the end, got me feeling the spins. Smoking this dope, blowing nose in the wind. I'm with a shorty, she want a party Time to get licked and she came with a friend Turn This up. is my life when I came in and when I've been praying for this So many dudes I've been playing for this Step in my shoes, you'll be taking the risk I'm chasing these ships, riding waves like a ship Some days when they quit, God gave me this gift, I'm amazing and shit Nigga, we rolling Come to my city, I'm boxing the civil We speeding that bitch like it's stolen Fuck all the pressure, cause pressure make diamonds And all of my niggas is golden You want it, I got it, you know I supply Don't tell the police that I'm holding Roll with the smoke, and really nigga We just trying to make it through the motions 
Come to my city, I'm boxing this nigga. We speeding that bitch like it's stolen. Fuck all the pressure, cause pressure make diamonds and all of my niggas is golden. You want it, I got it, you know I supply. Don't tell the police that I'm holding. Roll up the smoke, and really, nigga, we just trying to make it through. My passion's alive, it's hitting, she's passing me by. Like my whip is on fire, and I'm trapping the passage inside. Little masking you, why? Spare half of my time, and it gas in the fire. Reach out the cats, I get Maya. Half of them liars, other half, only half, half of the fire. They used to have when they rap in for the Maya. Boston, they tired. Like a car wash, while I watch on the spider. That's a long time, so I like what's inside you. My whole squad is riding, survivors of life in his trials. Moving for miles, shaking too wild, I laugh when I smile. And kiss my ass if you imagine with child. Hit it, get paid if you imagine with lane. Stay in your lane as I pass you for miles. Bad and I'm right, bitch, you passive aggressive. Bitch, I'm a star like the cowboys from Texas. I cut you off like all of my exes. Won't even ask questions. Call it a blessing. I'm from the gutter where most don't step in. You might not exit, not wasting a breath, man. Pressure looks breath, man. Pockets to breath, man. Your nigga dealing with life and his life. Nigga, we rolling. Come to my city, I'm boxing the civil. We speeding that bitch like it's stolen. Fuck all the pressure, cause pressure make diamonds and all of my niggas is golden. You want it, I got it, you know I supply it. Don't tell the police that I'm holding. Roll up the smoke, and really, nigga, we just trying to make it through the motions. Come to my city, I'm boxing the civil. Try to make it through the Cheer Try to make it through the Yeah And like you know that's how I got to that's how, that's how it is, man. New York, I only even started performing on the subways because all my friends here were doing poetry and we were in like organizations and they were making like $100, $150 doing poems, buying Jordans and shit. And I was like, oh yeah, I had never seen no shit like this in my life. And started doing poems by myself. And I was fucking nervous, dude. I was terrified the first like 10 times. Then I got over it and I was like, I'm fine. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, oh, I like money. I'm good. And sort of, then it went from poetry, doing spoken word poetry on the train for like a couple of years to doing raps. And I started freestyling a lot and would rap with like guitars, rap my homegirl in a pickle bucket. And I got like my rapping skin down in Philly because I was like 19, like 18 or 19 rapping on the train out there a lot. And nobody else was. And Philly's a little grimier than New York, man. Like as far as the subway trains, like them shits is grimy, bro. And, like, I was doing it when it was nobody doing it. And chopped me my thick skin. I was, yeah, I was like, oh, shit, Philly paid me? Okay, I'll do fine in New York. If I can get money like this in Philly, yo, we fucking lit. And <laughs> so came to New York, did that shit, and do developed my chops from poetry to them rapping. So I met Charlie. So I met Ghost. That's how we developed the Train Robbers, Generations, all the other groups I've been through, all through, you know, yeah. doing I started doing that shit when I was 18. I started rapping officially on the train about 20. And I did that shit for 10 years. I've only been, like, away from the trains for, like, a year now. Solid, bro. Well, I mean, I, it was a revelation. I was going back over and listening to my interview with Charlie just to kind of refresh myself what we talked about. And, yeah, and the the point where we I bring up how, uh, you know, a lot of musicians – 
are on the like venue hustle of trying to like, well, I got to book this place, the Rockwood and these, and then put it out flyers and book. And then maybe you get like 30 people to play. And he was just like, look, I could book those places every night of the week for a month. And if I got a hundred people to show up every night, it still wouldn't match eight hours on the subway car for just people. And that it's more engaging. Like people aren't asking for you to be there. So, but if you win them over and they're glad that you did show up and some will be, they're New Yorkers, man. Some are not going to be happy <laughs> for you shit. But what you did was, espe- I mean, like what you do with the freestyling, I feel like was especially because there was a whole fusion thing going on with just um, it catch people with like you had the guitar, the classical guitar and the horns, Charlie singing hooks. And then you come out and you talk about what's happening on the train with everybody in that car. Yeah, bro. I consider I legit consider Charlie one of my mentors, bro. No bullshit. I really do because he really gave me a at a point in my life. Though we had some real hardships, bro. You know, recipes to Shelby. Um, you know, shit like that. Like you know, rough, rough. It was some rough moments. You know this, man. Like rough fucking moments. But uh, Charlie, man, just being with him, bro, and just that whole experience. It just all this shit that my dad had dragged me to as a kid, making me go to all those jazz festivals and. See a motherfucker playing guitar and shit like that clicked as I linked with like musicians. So it was almost second nature. Like, hell yeah, I rap over a guitar. I can rap over a beat. Like, a beat is fine. Because I'm a rapper, whoopty woo. But like, this guitar shit? Oh, hell yeah. Because what y'all don't know is my dad dragged me to all this shit. Motherfucker had me around this all the time. So it was, it was almost nostalgic. It was almost like I was telling you, like, when I was rocking in my mom's stomach, like, on some shit like that. Like, a, part of my brain unlocked that I may not have been able to tap into unless I stepped into those nostalgic realms. And when I linked Charlie, it was funny just because I'd be with my man Ghost, who was like the real, he's like the real OG. Like though he's hated and he does some shady shit, he was like the real big homie to me, Charlie, SK, all the guys that were like 25 and under, we all learned from this motherfucker Ghost, who was like 40. 45, man, James Gallagher, dog. And he taught us everything about the trains. Everything. I can't even sit here and bullshit you. I knew what I knew, but then I got with him, and he taught us about CDs. He taught us about flyers. He taught us about properly collecting money on the train, not just walking around with your hands out, man, get a fucking bag or a hat. He was our uh, drill sergeant, bro. And, um, you know, through the game he taught me and taught Charlie, me and Charlie would go do our solo thing. And that's how Train Robbers came across because it was like, I met Charlie at Metropolitan Stop and I just would bug him to let me rap over his beats whenever I see him. Like, bro, let me rap over your guitar, bro. This shit is, this shit is crack, bro. And I was like, you should come with us on the train one day. It would be him and then it'd be this other guy, Eli Bridges. Elijah Bridges. Oh, I love Eli. Yeah, I would got to have him on, man. Yeah, that's one of my like ex-mentors, man. Once I joined the union, he used to plug me in. So, um, it would, they would switch off. I'd see both of them, you know, and uh, I'd always bug each of them whenever they were trying to get their money. Like, yo, let me rap. Because whenever I rap with them, they make more money at the stop. And it was like, this shit works, right? Ghost would get on. He'd be playing his little shit. It'd be fire, bro. And um, it went from that to me then being like, yo, bro, you should try the trains with us. And he was very hesitant at first. Like, mm-hmm. Charlie was with the shit, bro. He was not trying to get on the train. He was like, I'm good where I'm at, bro. That's funny. 
And after like two or three times and me bugging him, because I'm 20 with all this fucking energy, bugging him like, come on, bro, come on, bro, come on, come on, man. You gonna try it today? I'm gonna see you again. That's come I on. never knew I never knew that uh, that he actually had to get like nudged off nudged off the track. <laughs> Shit, bro. And so he uh finally came and we linked and we made bank. I would see the wads. He was sleeping on my floor at the time in like a back room. He was just crashing on like a sleeping bag. And we'd, he'd come home at like two in the morning with like the wad of cash this thick. And we'd stay up till five in the morning, just like bullshitting and whatever. He'd tell train stories or we'd just like, you know, talk about whatever. But yeah, that was a, those were great times. I remember those well. Our, uh, our everyday discipline was we had a CD player in my room. We set the alarm. And the way the CD player worked was, you could have the alarm go off or you could have a CD player go off. So we cut Big L on. And we have Big L play every morning or Jay-Z and smoke a blunt and get ready. And the same dynamic I have with Ghost. Because sometimes all three of us will play together. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying? We be focused. Like, yo, we don't get this money today. And we make anywhere between like, bruh, between like, I had like, I had like a makeshift studio apartment, like a makeshift one bedroom, like, like 19 in bedside. And he come through and crash, and we did, I'd have like two thousand dollars in single stashed in my closet. Like this is factual. This is nineteen, you know, drug dealer money off of trains. Yeah, and this is how we pay our rent, pay our bills, fund our studio time. So you had the connections kind of arise of someone take notice of you. And that's where that kind of opens up the chapter of like where the train robbers starts to become official before. We uh, got signed to Nell Moldary, the boss sound shit. That's how we got offered to be the house band for Talk Stupid with Cat Greenleaf. And 
we're just meeting all these people and getting residencies. We were one of the only few people doing like the folky mixed hip hop residency yeah. spots. Like that was rare. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean, bro? Especially to have a, a young man of color from Bushwick proper running around with a bunch of white boys doing folk shit. Like, you know, it was epic getting paid like $300 playing these shows and like Manhattan, all these different places and having these A&R meetings. Just like, yo, what the fuck is this? And getting bread, leaving with like 600 to $1,000 a day. Yeah. Performing. Like, well, my understanding from uh, Charlie is that I think he started to see, though, that you guys were, you know, becoming a package. And this was how he was. And looking at now, and I'm sure there was friction with you guys, if not everyone was on the same page about not going along with that. But I got to say, I mean, I, you know, you say how you feel. But looking at, like, what Charlie ended up doing and where he's at. I kind of get that, like, if he had gone, like, okay, I'm going to break out through the train robbers, he'd have then had to kind of, like, the way music will box you and, like, okay, that's what you are. And if looking at him now, like, that's what Charlie is. What he Man. is doing now is what he is. And if he'd have had to, like, kind of climb out and claw off the train robbers box in order to wear the hats he wanted to, I kind of get it. But um, that couldn't have been an easy. Uh, bro, it sucked. We had two apartments that we lost, and we definitely definitely put me into a weird space. But I'm so happy that he left. And even at the time, I was happy that he stepped away from it. Because I'm like, if you don't fuck with something, bro, don't do it. And we all were mad unstable. He, he left, the group disbanded, and we both were stuck fucking having to free ourselves from our contracts. It took him like three years to get out of his contract. It took me six months to a year. I met a dude from... I met a dude I was rapping on a train. I was a lawyer. He, uh, he sent out my music to different people. But the real piece of heaven that he was for me was that he's who bought me out of my, he's who got me out of my contract with Nell because we hit it off. I told him my legal situation at the time he was working for Eminem and them doing some contract work for them. And he was like, bruh, come back with $130 and a, uh, and a, and a stamped uh, um, letter. Or, or like notarize this letter that I'm going to give you or some shit like that. My man literally took the bread from me. He didn't have to do this shit. This is a, this is a fucking millionaire. And when he believed my shit from the train, I was like, oh, this kid's nice. And took me to his like real ass downtown fucking office, took me upstairs, laughed at me about this corny ass shit that this lady was doing. And was like, I got you. Sent her ass a cease and desist letter, bro. And I was free from that fucking contract. Oh, nice. Swear to, swear to God. And that's honest fact, bro. Mate, I spent all day rapping the train because I was like, I cannot fucking believe this. Fuck sending my shit to Eminem. I don't care about that. The fact that you're getting me out of this on such a cheap discount because you fuck with me that much, yes. And mm. I got like, I got out of that and I started interning for Live Nation and I did that for like three years and it shifted me into my career that I'm in now. So I was, I was cool with it. I, uh, it was definitely hard, man. It was hard for like six months. I was very lost, but it was good because after train robbers broke up, I ended up linking with who my team is now, man. Some of my best friends came around literally six months, four months, five months after that, and we linked. And then we created the way that I've got now being Jade on because I had the same issue as Charlie in that sense. We both would have to climb out of that. Like, she was trying to make us a really poppy-ass band, bro. Like, it That's was bad. Bro. She mm -hmm. was trying to make bad control, bro. And... um you know, you're being, I, it sounded like you're being commodified 
you know? Yeah, bro. She was like, oh, yeah, y'all going to be the next Jonas Brothers. Oh, yeah, we got you, baby. You going to be Jonas Brothers? Flash. Most deaf. Jay's going to be like Will I Am for the Black Eyed Peas mixed with Black Dot. You know what I'm saying? Like, shit was bad, B. So, um, you know, I even the only thing, the, to be real with you, on the record, the only thing I was mad at Charlie about was the fact that he didn't warn me that he was going to jump ship in the meeting. If he would have just told me before the meeting, like, yo, bro, like, we're not fucking with this. I don't like it. Be aware. I'd be like, all right, cool. Yeah. And I know how to play it. But this nigga had me in a fucking meeting. It's these much. You know how Jim, him, and uh, and Shelby and them guys are very close. So yeah. they were at the apartment on the Heights already coming up with their whole plan of what they were going to do. And then you had me at the crib on 145th and Edgecombe and that apartment by myself. And I'm like, cool. I'm happy. Like, I'm about to be on MC's NBC, not knowing. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you, but I also, I think maybe it was the kind of thing where Charlie was afraid you'd talk him out of it or something. Like, if you do drop it in the meeting, it's done. I'm not saying it's right, but... My guy, that shit was comedy. We're in a meeting with this lady. She's telling us all this shit we're going to do, and she just kept getting meaner as the week's gone on, as as the week's progressed, and just wasn't doing work for us. And that's why I'm, like, saying to you, I respect that Charlie left, but... It was hilarious. We in his meeting. I'm over here like, what the fuck? She's just about to get the contracts from NBC. And Charlie's like, yeah, by the way, I'm out of here. I'm not really fucking with this contract. <laughs> oh, God. And, and he's like, he's like, but yo, Jay, he's like, but yo, Jay, man, I believe in Jay. And I think you and Jay will be great. I think y'all do good. Dude, once they left, she was even worse mean, even more mean to me. Ah, uh. like, bitch, I got to leave your old ass like i gotta go um and so uh yeah man that shit was comedy bro because she was devastated in the meeting and they dipped and left me in there and i'm like why the fuck is y'all leaving me in here dickhead like what am i supposed to be doing here like so that Everybody, was it. everybody's yeah. gotta everybody's gotta do someone dirty sometimes you know as <laughs> i feel like i've it, it can happen by accident. It can happen because you're just awkward with confrontations. Not necessarily like I'm. I'm gonna. If so long as someone's not like you know what'll really fuck Jade on over. If we just drop it on the meeting, that'll fuck. Like you know. If then, all right. Yeah, so bro, like I'll have no. Like I said I had no beef. I just thought it was yeah. hilarious. It was just funny. It was more so funny than anything. I was just lost. I was like, I ain't never been no shit like this before. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm so happy that he progressed because he had to rebuild himself. And I did too. And our, our respect factor is big because we had a mutual friend, Karim, that would ke- I kept on seeing as the years progressed. And he was like, bro, you need to hit up Charlie, bro. He's killing it. He'd be asking about you all the time. And I was like, fuck that. I ain't talking to Charlie. I'm good. I'll wait. I need some time. I'm good. I'm, no, I'm good. We're at South by Southwest in Texas. Karim is like, bruh, hit him up. And I'm like, all right, no doubt, bro. I'll keep it in mind. I'll keep it in mind. My boy was here with me now, Kavalis. Like, he was on my shit. Like, bro, hit him up, bro. Stop acting egotistic, bro. Like, you know, he was one of my closest friends, so he could talk that shit to me. And he was like, hit him up. And I was like, I got you. I got you. Whatever. I didn't hit him up, but when I moved to Philly, um, somebody that happened to be in town came to my bar. I was, I was bartending at Milk Boy, and we just started shooting this shit about music. And um, 
and we were just talking about very in-depth conversation about music. And he was like, so who are your musical influences? This random guy, him and his cousin. And I'm like, no bullshit, I'll tell you the truth. I have like rapper dudes, I named Jay-Z and all that. But I was like, to be real with you, one of my real influences, my mentor was this dude, he, I was like, y'all may know him, you may not know him, but like my boy Charlie Crockett. And this guy at the bar is like, what? Charlie? Like Charlie Crockett, like folk singer dude? And I'm like, yeah, you know him? And he's like, yeah, bro. Like I played on three of his fucking albums. And he's like, I played saxophone on this shit. And, uh, and he started shooting this shit with me. We getting a whole three hour combo. Turned out this guy, his name is Jeff Daisy. He turns out that he uh, is in town to play as sax as trumpet or saxophone for Nathaniel Ratcliffe, who's opening up for Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin. Oh, nice! And so we're shooting this shit through that. He messages Charlie. I hit up Charlie, and either before or after this, in the same couple of days span, a random guy is at the open mic. It may have even been that night. A random guy that I know as a regular is at the open mic, and this motherfucker does a cover of one of Charlie's songs, and I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, look, I'm not a big religious dude, but I'm like, God, are you like saying something to me? Are you saying something to me? Like you literally have a random motherfucker in here playing one of Charlie's covers, and he's like, bro, this is my, I love him, and then this random dude that's like, yeah, I'm on three of his albums, so I'm like, you know what? Humble myself. I hit up Charlie. Turns out Charlie's coming to play at Milk Boy. He's coming in town to play a show at Milk Boy at the other venue that we own. That's he three. Went, that's like three then. Three signs, bro. So I yeah. humble myself. So somebody, like, somebody's a saint now. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> bro. For real. Stop with the goodbye, stop this with the hello Been a minute since we last spoke, living life you know how that goes uh, Shit's been crazy since we last chilled Belt out my management deal, now I'm waiting on Khaled still It'll never happen, yet I'm forever rapping Popping like Beretta packets, smarter moves and better passion By the way, I had to make a change I moved out of BK and quit my job the other day It was time to get away, make the rhyming on my train Cross the people, know my name, do it, save my life for 27 years Shit's the hustle and flow, her trouble so pushing the bubble and grow. The hood was stuck in my growth. Mm. I was born an accident. Father told me I ain't shit. Tell that man, sucker. I'm not scared to catch a clip. And my catch is mid. The ghetto is my residence. Walk through it like the president. A gift in the present tense. Whether rich or starving, I'm a full time artist. I know I might seem jobless. Don't forget, I'm a full time artist. Strong. Got caught in that Brooklyn wildlife Word the crisscross Shady Dillons had me pissed off I missed all chances to shine Never on time, I'm just off Balance and talent and how to adults Where I know everything in this life Yet I'm still wrong 
humble daily praying I click off So up in charts like lift off Shooting shots even if I miss all See the dead or incarcerated Homies I miss y'all Your spirit lives on Do this song Give me regular spirit on uh. To all of you that love my rides From all over the map Thanks for having my back When I didn't want to rap The messages in contact Brought my heart back Cause I was falling off the track I made money off a rap I should've stacked and dropped tracks Instead bread dried up So I had to fall back Had to make it all back Stressing my skull cap Regrets and all that Profession we call rap Had to build a fan base Like ball cap I signed up for all that All facts Let the world know Jadon's back had sort of a uh, downtime and you talk about this in some of your songs like like thanks to the people who brought me out of it and um leading up to this album and i gotta say i i love that i love the song full-time artist man that's such a I'm great glad. that's such a great anthem i'm glad man i'm glad you like it bro i wrote that the night the day that i got cast into my first major role for that for that movie uh, late night that i'm in with mindy kaling and emma thompson let me introduce you to a new series, Catherine Newbery, White Savior. I feel like I could never hill a cam. Let's see what we can do about that. I actually didn't need to go anywhere. That doesn't matter. This is how white saviors work. Into the cab. So the day I got casted for that, my power and my water got cut off at the house I was staying at in Philly. And I just had to sit and laugh. And I just wrote that hook and just pinned that whole song. It just came to me right then and there. Because I had just quit my job in Brooklyn and was like, fuck it, I'm out of here, man. And was staying at my sister's crib in deep North Philly, bro, Kensington, one of the worst neighborhoods in Philadelphia ever. You know what I'm saying? And wrote that song at that time. And yeah, it was just funny, man. Uh, it was just a funny time. So I'm glad you really relate to that. You're actually the first artist I've had on, um, not just since the the Black Lives Matter uprising, but also COVID-19. I mean. Uh, this album, I got to imagine, has been a long time in the works. And, how you know, seeing how, like, COVID-19, this is two totally separate big questions. But, like, how the how the Black Lives Matter movement is landing on you. Because I know, I mean, just from, you, you sort of came up wild, like you said. And just being, you know, being a part of the, the, the circulatory system of New York on the trains, you've seen cops from a lot of different vantage points right now and yeah, i'm wondering yeah. how your feelings are on on what, what this what this movement might be and what it what it is and and uh all that all right um i'm gonna tie in the all these questions for you all right so boom covid hits while i'm working in philly i'll never forget 
because some, one of my coworkers was about to beat somebody up that I just quit at my job. And they were supposed to come get the check and get the ass whip and COVID hit. So that day, my bar had to close itself down. So the guy got spared. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how my COVID started. Um, and um, I remember just being like, fuck, man. So that shit hits. And then Amar Arbery video was leaking around the internet around that time. You feel me? And then from that, the George Floyd shit hit. And I was like, bruh, this shit is crazy right now. And um, they were still dealing with the other gentlemen. Uh, it was, yeah, it was those two. Um, and then it was the Breonna Taylor joint that hit as well. And it's wild because, like, it was scary to see the power of protesting, looting, and rioting all in one. Because I know New York got hit, but, bro, when I tell you Philly got hit, dog, like, I was walking out my crib and motherfuckers was blowing up ATMs and, like, you know, throwing rocks at the cops and, like, setting cop cars on fire and pushing them at the cops. Like, in real life, you feel me? This is real fucking life. Like, my neighborhood in Philly right now, 10 to 15 mile radius, is still destroyed. Most of the small businesses are still boarded up with wood and shit. Like, so... I feel like it was needed. I feel like it was fucking needed because it's been happening so much and people have been so calm. And it's like, bro, how long can you be calm for before you just start going fucking crazy? Like, hey, yo, like, this ain't it. And, you know, it definitely shifted some change. Um, it definitely needed to still arrest Breonna Taylor's fucking murderers. But uh, at least with the other shit, they've made huge progress. So, you know, um, I fuck with the Black Lives Matter movement in a sense of the actual movement itself. Um, but I also do not fuck with the corporate standpoint of Black Lives Matter because there's a lot of funding that's been coming into it. And a lot of people are funding, like, you know, maybe doing like Kmart commercials, shit like that. So it's like, you know, that part of it is weird. But the well, there's uh, like the, the, co the co-founder of BLM in Cleveland that I work closely with a lot. I've heard him now say at several rallies, a lot of people love the hashtag but they don't love the movement and like the people that do the work and and i i grab i i connected with them when i my first story that i broke was calling out someone that was full of shit trying to basically clout seek on top of this mm -hmm. um putting on like an event using tamir rice's name and telling everyone he was friends with tamir's mother and it turns out he completely lied about it. So when I when I wrote the article, like I was like, well, I, I don't want to just call out a shithead. I want to tell people who's good, who's worth, who. How do you vet like you know your organizers? And so when I looked at Black Lives Matter and just found out how much work these people have been doing here and putting in the time and showing up for, um, and now my head's just deep in all of the names that. You know, they when you're just as passive consumer of news, they've just been scrolling past us over and over and over again. Every you know, every month there be there can be another name, and how many names are in my city? And learning the mechanics of who are the prosecutors, who are the judges. Everyone always gets distracted by this sideshow of the presidency, but now that I'm really looking at all this stuff in a different way as a journalist, I see like we got to be paying so much more attention to like what's happening on our streets who's in charge of your town because that's who can those are the gears that grind up your neighbors yeah bro yeah um yes yeah, um it's been interesting because i think 
COVID was needed for it to be as powerful as it was this time around. Like, motherfuckers went hard in 50 states and 17 countries, bruh, if not more. You feel me? Around the time when the whole world was shut down, so you really had to pay attention. So, I, uh, you know, I, I definitely think there's more work to do, and I also think that I have more work to do as a person who has been affected by the system. You know, I've settled lawsuits with the NYPD. You know, um, I've been around the, the good. I've been around good cops. I've been around terrible cops. I've been around all that shit. So I got to make sure I play my part as a person as well. Um, and, uh, you know, um, as a whole, how to be a follower and a leader. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting to watch, man. I hope that Trump loses. I don't know who else I would personally choose to be in that seat. But I do know that from just an outpour of everybody across the world, it doesn't seem like our president has been doing that well of a job this last four years. So I don't think I don't know if any of the presidents have really done a good job. Exactly. Like when we had no, Obama's, the, Obama's the one they hold up is good. But then there were all these things he couldn't exactly. fix be, because or we were told he can't fix because of the constraints around him. I'm just at the point. I'm like, what? Well, can we just get rid of the presidency? I mean, I'm an anarchist yeah, straight no, up. Know, so you know, I know. yeah, you know, I'm come on, bro. I but I and I'm not even a big political guy. I just just as me coming in at 30 out of all the presidents I remember in my lifetime, this guy has been catching heat, bruh. Like, I know all presidents that we've had gotten shit on by just Americans in general. Like, we all have our feelings about them. But, like, this motherfucker, bro, with the amount of digital age that we're in, like, I've never seen a, a president get hated so much. Well, I, they, I mean, I was paying attention during – the Bush years and what's fucked yeah. up, what's really fucked up to me is I remember Bush was the Trump of the, he was Trump 1.0 oh, and, yeah. and everyone was like even you know yeah by the end of Bush's second term there were not as much as now with conservatives turning on Trump but there were people that were starting to be like yeah he's yeah okay he's not so great and but then I that's one of the things that I think really disturbed me about Obama initially as a president was like the consensus among the Democrats are like, okay, we had the worst president ever who lied us into a war, killed millions of people, tanked the economy, lied about surveilling, you know, spied on Americans, and we were told to look forward. And we just need to move on from that. And we didn't punish anyone. And I see, I don't see how you don't, there isn't a direct line from not punishing Bush to Trump. You know, like all of the things that was bad about Bush were just allowed to like fester and sit there under the surface. And even the foreign policy things that were terrible about Bush that Obama continued to do, then that just left all these awful tools in place for when Trump, which I would say is like Bush 2.0, is a complete idiot who's just breaking the place and a lot of nefarious motherfuckers are around him using all the powers of the presidency while he just gets to say he's in charge. It's, oh, it's the same it's, fucking guy. But yeah. I, Bush Bush had a lot more deaths on his hands. I'll say that. Yes, yes. I, uh, I only – this is the first president I've seen the effect of him hands-on as like coming as a come of age. Only because the day he got elected, I played a huge-ass show, bro, with, like, a fairly well-known artist in the underground scene. And he sold out. It was his first sellout show in New York. And we're all celebrating it. We're all happy as fuck. 
And at the beginning of the show. And by the end of the show, homie is like, bro, like, I don't even know if I should feel good about this show. I just sold out 300, 400 tickets. And Donald Trump just got elected as president. And we all felt that vibe. Like, it just was weird. It was weird, bro. And, like, you know, you're, you're a little bit older than me and are obviously a bit deeper with knowledge about political standpoints. So I more I have to, I have work to do on my own. That's why I don't speak on it too much. I don't want to talk out of my ass. But I can really say just with my friends and my family, we saw it head on. And it was one of the scariest things to just watch as this years have gone on. Because being on a bench, dealing with some of the music industry shit that I was dealing with, I had to sit on the bench and really find subject matter and content to talk about on this project. So, you know, like a lot of that came during this time of his presidency from him first coming in until, you know, the last song I cut maybe like six months ago, four months ago. So um, it's been, it's just been wild to watch. Something I want to do in my private time is just do my history and research on all the presidents that we've ever had. So I can develop my own opinion on it, read news articles from the, from the eras when they were the presidents and get how the world was affected at that time. What was the New York Times like during the Theodore Roosevelt era, during the Bush Giuliani era? Like, like, you know, just to see and understand as an adult so I can understand where I stand at with this next shift as this next president comes in. I want to be really in tune because yeah. it is, it is going to affect my family as I progress forward, you know? I'm not just wilding around Bushwick partying anymore now it's kind of like no i'm an adult bro like you know like kind of need to take a little bit more note of what's going on and so lastly i guess i'll ask what what are your what are going to be the new measures of success as you see them or ways to navigate making a living as a musician um that you're that you're thinking of pursuing um i really just want to wrap up my credits for college I've been bullshitting. I've, I'm like 15 to 20 credits away from having a business degree. Um, and as associates, when I went upstate to college it's in 2011. Um, so I, uh, I literally just want to get a ton of credits and just knowledge in music background, like I'm already doing in an acting background because I'm in the union and I don't want my side card to go to waste. And also in just the business. So I want to do that. Um, I don't rap on the trains anymore as much as I used to. So now I, uh, I um, literally just want to fucking do that. I want to just put and work in the studio, man. A lot of songwriting. Um, and just work on myself as a person. Because now I'm in the studio a lot. So now it's like learning how to monetize my music. Learning how to work on a digital standpoint. Learning how to still build a strong brick and mortar uh, focus like Taylor Swift and her ability to have like physical copies that still sell as well as the digital era. Like went into that, man, and just progress because I, uh, I, um, cause yeah, I fuck with it. Yeah. I, I just want to, you know, I want to keep on blooming, man. I earned my stripes. We did the street stuff. We did the, the, I bust for so long. Like I'm good, bro. Like I you're, think a, full, I like, you're a full-time artist. Yeah, bro. Thank you. So, um, yeah, just getting better in that sense, getting my shit together, getting a website. We'll be hollering at you about websites. I might have three different websites I need you to do. Oh, 
I will be, I'm down to do all of them. I've been developing like sort of a band strap for WordPress to get them off the ground quickly for nice one pagers if necessary. And uh, when, we, when we get off of this, when we get done with this, actually call me and I'm gonna put you on call. I'll put you on a, on speaker with my boy because he's here too. He has a situation website wide right. talk about. Well, I guess we'll jump. We should jump off anyways. We've been talking for you know like almost like ninety minutes, so I'll hey, figure out how yeah. this gets chopped up. Uh, I'm really excited to put this out there. I'm so glad to uh, talk you up, everybody. Follow Jade on. I will have links to all your things, all the albums in the footnotes. And uh, all right, well, we'll say goodbye to the audience, and then you and I will carry on here in a bit. Yes, sir. All right, bro. Much love, everybody listening. Peace. Hands up, uh-huh, hands up, uh-huh, hands up, uh-huh, yeah. This for my homies alive in the passing. Never forget that this life's everlasting. Uh-huh, yeah. Hands up, uh-huh, hands up, uh-huh, hands up, uh-huh, yeah. This for my homies alive in the passing. Never forget that this life's everlasting. Fire in the wings on the 747. Lucky like Slevin, I get it popping like Smith and Wesson. Learning how to ball, that's the biggest lesson. And my flow's classic, like rocket mission and lesson. Barely finished school, but the haters never test them. Cause a wreck, I play chess the way I check them. Cold blooded, gotta love it how I get this paper. Runs in my blood, my pops is a gangster. This for my homies that's alive in the past. Never forget that this life's everlasting Things may be drastic through this that have passed it No you stay strong through these things when they happen uh, I got fan from Philly back to Manhattan My body's an atlas, it's life that I'm mapping Trapping and jacking and rapping and acting Reacting and scrapping distractions that damage Embracing my blackness, facing the madness Erasing the sadness, I face every day is that Hate on my passion, ghost like Pac-Man If this rhyme is garbage, then throw yourself in the trash can Started from the bottom in the bottom of a trash bag Laying with a Glass at, praying got me past that. Fucking investing time like NASA, leaking NASDAQ. Folks talking record deals, man, I'm looking past that, past that. School of hard knocks, I'm a class act. What a class act, what a cash act. This for my homies alive in the passing. Never forget that this life's everlasting. Waving up the threats, attacking like SF. Chasing that next check each day is a lesson. I leave them stuck like cements that you step in. Step in the ring and get knocked out like second. Saving up cheese, the cop mention the heavens. Tarantula stepping to answer your questions. Demanding respect like flashing a second. Finally flexing like riding that Lexus. No love for Khaled, but we still the best in. Fuck your suggestions if you can't respect this. King that I step in. Got your boy stressing. Mom's diabetic, barely bringing checks in. I got this step in. Matter of fact, step up to our life gets better. I got her forever, no days off, I'm chasing the shedder On the new level, the life of a rebel Pinning these good rhymes, or dreams of the good life Bad women, good nights, serving that good pipe This for my good guys, bad guys and hood guys Remember the good times, this is my goodbye Yeah, hands up, uh-huh, hands up, uh-huh, hands up, uh-huh This for my homies alive in the passing Never forget that this life's everlasting Hands up, uh-huh, hands up, uh-huh, hands up, uh-huh for my homies alive in the passing Never forget that this life's everlasting Hands up, uh-huh, hands up, uh-huh, hands up, uh-huh This for my homies alive in the passing Never forget that this life's everlasting Yeah, yeah, hands up, uh-huh, hands up, uh-huh, hands up, uh-huh This for my homies alive in the passing yeah. Never forget that this life's everlasting Done with this fucking album, appreciate y'all waiting Late to the party Shit, nigga, Jade on. Appreciate y'all riding in the nigga through all these years. Riding with the team. 
Shit finally finished, you heard? And thanks so much for watching and sticking around. I hope you will follow Jade on and uh, find all of his links in the description down below. Uh, if you become a Patreon supporter, you too can benefit from what is now officially a regular segment. Uh, during the end credits, the outro, I will be plugging a random Patreon supporter uh, of my choosing arbitrarily. I don't know how I'm picking it, but uh, whoever's got something to plug, I'm going to make sure and uh, I put it out there. In this uh, episode, we are doing a former guest and recent new Patreon supporter, Brenton Langle. He is the author of Snow White Zombie Apocalypse, and this is one hell of a comic. It is out on Scout Comics. It is nominated now for two Ringo Awards, so check that out. And uh, also check out Brenton's uh, YouTube channel. The guy is putting me to shame with content. He's got out a new discussion, an episode, a debate, like every other day, it seems. It's a lot to take in, but I've really enjoyed the ride. Good going, Brent. Keep up the great work. I'm sure he will have a Patreon up for support soon. But uh, in the meantime, looking to throw those Patreon dollars somewhere. I'm right here, baby. All right. So uh, that's all there is to it for the outro, I guess. I've committed to making these unscripted and, and ending awkwardly and I'm really happy to see that I've, I've kept that tradition alive. Bye.